You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? I, I think I'm going to have a little bit of a combine hangover, but right now I'm doing good. Yeah, a lot of combine has been happening. All of the combine has been happening. Yes. We are coming to you just kind of right after the defensive backs have stopped working out on Monday. So that is officially the end of the combine. For some reason, they stretch it to Monday instead of just starting the workouts a day early. I, I don't know what the point of that is, but we're all wrapped up. Everyone has worked out, at least the people who were supposed to work out. Before the combine, we talked about who we were excited to see work out. Today, we are going to talk about who we were excited to see work out. That's the same phrase, now in a different tense, I guess. Um, so there was a lot of good stuff in this combine. This might have been like maybe the most athletic combine we've seen in a while. We're going to talk about some people who disappointed much later in the show. And you had to try really hard to disappoint this year. Yeah, this was probably one of the most fun combines I can remember. For the most part, the NFL Network did a good job with the broadcast, and some of the workouts were just phenomenal. I'm not sure all of those guys were completely human. Some of the stuff we saw was just unreal. There were a couple of, of record-setting things. I think just during the defensive back workout, Juan Thornhill, a safety from Virginia, had a 44-inch vertical, which I think is a combined record. We just saw some crazy stuff this week. Yeah. Everybody was talking about the DK Metcalf workout, and then not 24 hours later, Montez Sweat comes on and does his thing and actually blows away Jadavian Clowney. So yeah, we just saw new levels of freakishness. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the players who impressed us the most, and let's start with Montez Sweat, edge rusher yeah. from Mississippi State. I came in and pretty much... It destroyed everything. So he ran a 4-4-1 at 260 pounds. Now, I think we talked in earlier shows about speed score that usually is used for running backs, which is just kind of a weight-adjusted 40. So it's really impressive to run a 4-4-1. It's almost superhuman to run a 4-4-1 at 260 pounds. So when you adjust for that, he comes out with a speed score of 137.5. His speed score is adjusted so that in average speed at whatever weight comes out to about 100. So this is 137.5. I have speed scores for edge rushers going back to 2013 right now, I think just in my personal database. And 
the closest any edge rusher has come to sweat was Javian Clowney, and that was only 126.3. So this is just kind of insane. And to go maybe further, Saquon Barkley, who of course super athletic, he ran a 4-4 at 233 pounds last year. So we were all going crazy about how athletic Saquon Barkley was. So Montez Sweat just ran just about the same 40 with almost 30 more pounds on him. Yeah, and yeah, he's just got crazy length too. He's six foot six. He has you know what? I'm not going to quibble over a quarter of an inch. Thirty-six inch long arms. So you put that amount of acceleration. He had a one five ten yard split and I think about a thirty-six inch vertical and a almost ten and a half foot broad jump. That is just a crazy amount of lower body explosion just coming off the line. And with his length, he will beat most offensive tackles to the landmark. He will have his hands on them first. And for an edge rusher, that means he wins. I had some concerns coming into the combine about his ability to bend around the corner. He then proceeded to put up a seven second three cone and a... 4.29 second short shuttle those are good period for a guy 6'6 260 those are exceptional so I'm just going to put those stiffness concerns on the shelf for now (laughs) yeah and there were you know a couple of people who had been looking at sweat and a little concerned about production and I'm not totally sure why he had 14 tackles for loss 11 and a half sacks 18 and a half run stuffs he was tied for third in this class with 26 quarterback hits in 2018 it was a six-way tie there but still he was able to get pressure he got to the quarterback so now you put this workout on top of it and I think sweat really just raises up probably in a lot of people's minds so we've talked about spark before which again is a just composite score of all of this testing and it just puts it into just one metric and a percentile used to compare to anyone else at that position in the nfl so montez sweat his spark came in 97.6 so that's nearly the 98th percentile among nfl edge rushers that is incredible that he is one of the most athletic edge rushers we are going to see. But if we take a look at that, that was only the second highest spark in this class. And the first highest is our boy, Ben Banigu from TCU. And I think we need to bring this up because he's someone I brought up a couple of times. He's someone I took in our mock draft a couple episodes ago. He was someone I previewed as someone I wanted to watch. (laughs) This was not something even I was expecting. I still feel like even after this monster workout, I'm still the only person talking about him. But he came in the 98.8 percentile uh, of sparks. That's nearly the 99th percentile among NFL edge rushers. That's ridiculous. He ran a official 462 at 250. That's still a 109.7 speed score, so still well above average. That's good. There had been concerns about his bend, but he ran an excellent three cone, so obviously can bend. Obviously, he's super athletic, and he has the production that we've brought up multiple times he was third in this draft class in 
in quarterback pressures. He was tied with Josh Allen for the most QB hits. That's someone, if he's still going to be there in the middle rounds, like that's how you get value. You now have all that production and now have verifiable athleticism there and elite athleticism. That's absolutely what you should be targeting. So I had a lot invested in Ben Benogu or Banigu, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, and I'm like the person who's the highest on him. I should probably figure that out. I was fully invested in him before, and now I'm completely all in. Yeah, you know, I will say it would not surprise me in the least to see Montez Sweat be, even if there's a quarterback available, the odds-on favorite for the Giants at sixth overall, you know, heard through the grapevine going back to the senior bowl when he had to be moved to the end of the rotation so he would get the least amount of reps so the offensive tackles could actually get some practice in without being destroyed it heard back then that the giants really like him like they were starting to develop a crush on him it would not surprise me at all to see him picked at six and i would not be Surprised to see them double down and get Banigou later in the draft if he happens to slip past the third round or them maybe even trying to get up into the third round to get him. That's one thing Dave Gettleman does do is double up on positions. He is not afraid to let depth or perceived depth at a position or a lack of depth at another position influence his choice. If there's a guy that he likes where he sees value, he will take him. It doesn't matter if he just took another player at the same position. So there, there's a chance we could see both of those guys in blue next year. After all, they drafted Lorenzo Carter, who they fell in love with early in the process, and he was an explosive athlete at, well, he should have been edge, but Georgia didn't do it do things quite that way. <laughs> Yeah, and Lorenzo Carter was someone who had very good speed score. He was at 121.9, uh, so that was great. So that was at a 4.540 at 250 pounds. He was not quite as athletic per Spark, still incredible in Spark, but Banigou is is there above him. So we can see, I, I think James Betcher has gotten his influence a little bit with the edge rushers he wants. I would say Lorenzo Carter was probably very influenced by the athleticism Betcher wants at that position. There was obviously development needed there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I would imagine the Giants target guys who tested pretty well on the edge. So that's going to probably include Brian Burns. I would say he's basically a more polished version of Lorenzo Carter. All the way across the board, they're virtual clones of each other. Basically 6'5", 250, uh, almost 34-inch arms, had a 4.540 with a 1.5710 yard. They were really close. Yeah, and of course, these are guys who might be available at sixth overall if the Giants don't go with a quarterback. Again, we did a whole episode on this, so we talked about most of these guys, uh, Sweat and Burns. We talked about a bunch of these guys in that episode, and now we just have uh, some testing to put some of those guys in context. So as we move on with other guys who we were really impressed with, a lot of this is going to come on the defense. And now part of this was position that we were really expecting to test well and I think just overall it, it 
tested much better than we expected. That's the off-ball linebacker. Um, looking at Spark right now, and there are uh, five off-ball linebackers who tested in the 90th percentile or better. So that's super athletic. There was another five that are in the 80th percentile or better. So this was actually a much more athletic group than we thought. And up at the top are the two top linebackers, Devin Bush of Michigan and Devin White of LSU. Both of those guys tested extremely well. Devin Bush in the 98th percentile of Spark, Devin White in the 95th percentile. So these guys probably definitely worked their way into solidly into the first round while you could wonder how much stock you put in an inside linebacker and what weight that position carries in the league today I think if you have someone who's super athletic that can be a game changer and Bush and White definitely helped their case this weekend yeah definitely you know both of them running in the low four fours I expected Devin Bush to really show out at the combine Watching him on tape, I loved the way he played just full throttle all the time. And you knew he was athletic because he he just looked like he was playing in fast forward and everybody else was at normal speed. So that's when you know guys are athletic. I knew Devin White was going to be explosive. I did not see his workout coming. He has some work to do. He He really does need to clean up his tackling technique. He's much more of a hitter and kind of lets himself get out of control at some time. But when you are as explosively athletic as he is, that's kind of easy to do. But there were also a couple of guys who were a little bit under the radar who impressed me. And one I know who got both of us was uh, Ben Burkhurvin out of Washington. Yeah, Again, going by Spark, about 85th. You know, watching him on tape, you could tell he was instinctive. He, he's a linebacker who always takes an accurate first step, but I don't think anybody really saw him having as good a workout as he had. I don't think anybody saw a 4 5 40 coming for him or a 6 8 5 3 cone. That is just ridiculous for a linebacker. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So I, I was putting together just primers of who and what to watch for each position group during the combine over the weekend. Uh, hopefully you read them. If not, go back. There's still useful information there of what does and really doesn't matter from these workouts. And I started throwing your pre-combine top five into the post. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll start putting together a pre-combine top five. And some of them I had to do a lot more work than than others who I wasn't you know, really into. And when I was digging into the linebackers, because I thought this wasn't a super deep class, Ben Burkirvan kind of came out as my number three. But Again, this is someone, even if I was somewhat high on him, like Banigu, elite testing was not something I was expecting. But it's good to see that is a possibility because now he's someone who, very instinctive, makes tackles, not a lot of broken tackles, and he's someone who can cover. Uh, among this draft class, so per Sports Info Solutions, he was had the fifth lowest yards allowed per coverage snap in man coverage and the fourth lowest 
yards allowed per coverage snap in zone. So he's someone who has the ability to cover. And now if you have that, again, proven athleticism, uh, he, I think he's a very interesting piece that could go in, in the mid rounds, especially in this class that well, we didn't really think when we talked about linebackers, we did not think this was a deep class that had many good usable options after the top like two guys. Yeah, th- it's just kind of amazing how it worked out. It was coming in, it was White, Bush, and then basically everybody else. You know, nobody really cared beyond the two Devons. And then all of a sudden, we've just had this wealth of just ridiculous athletes looking at us like, how did we miss all of this? And it's not just you and I. It was, I want to read a uh, scouting report from Lance Zerline at NFL.com about Blake Cashman out of Minnesota who was the third highest spark score. 6'1", 237. He had a spark score of 139.5, which lands him at 91.6 percentile among NFL linebackers. Really, really good athlete. Tested extremely well. Here's Zerline's scouting report. Limited will linebacker who isn't big and isn't fast, but plays with determination and a nose for the ball. Former walk-ons usually have chips on their shoulders that are permanent fixtures, and Cashman is no different. He's made the most of every opportunity he's created for himself, but his lack of athletic traits and length create a small margin for error in his play. If he can improve in in taking on blocks and play more instinctively, he could have a chance as a back-end backup and core special teamer. Um, I think pretty much everyone might have to go back to the tape and take a look at those traits and athletic ability. (laughs) Yeah, it seems there's a couple of guys who did that this weekend. And I think a lot of it probably came from that linebacker group because a lot of them tested real well. So I think we, we definitely have some more work to do on inside linebacker, uh, which the Giants have Alec Ogletree, but I would still say inside linebacker is quite the need uh, on that roster. Uh, And that's a whole nother thing that we have gotten into before and don't need to get into right now. But so there are, there are just more options at that position than we expected. I think another position there is the offensive line. That's going to be another place where the Giants, even if somehow in free agency, they sign uh, right tackle, they sign a right guard and maybe sign a center. There's going to be an offensive lineman picked somewhere, at least for depth at the worst. And someone might have to be a starter uh, if those needs aren't met in free agency. Uh, and I think we got uh, a decent amount of guys who impressed along the offensive line. Oh, yeah. You know, the guy who almost took over the day, Garrett Bradbury Center from North Carolina State, he came in as my top-rated center. He's He'll probably be considered strictly a zone blocking scheme guy, but I think he's got the strength to handle man gap, and he just had a fantastic workout. He m- measured extremely well in all the measurable drills, and it, the on-field stuff, he was smooth, efficient. He just did everything well. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, again, he tested extremely well. He had a spark of 123.6, which landed him in the 95th, 96th almost percentile among NFL linemen. 
and he could probably play any interior spot. It was just a really good showing from a lot of offensive linemen. Yeah, one guy who caught my eye who was Caleb McGarry. He's a tackle from Washington. He came out in like the 73rd percentile among offensive linemen. Uh, he's someone who's he's big. He <laughs> came in at 6'7 and 317. I have to say, I'm a little curious how a guy 6'7 doesn't even have 33-inch arms. They're 32.88 inches. That's a little bit interesting to me, but yeah, it's 6'7 length is not an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so maybe short arms aside, in a previous episode of a Valentine's View podcast, Ed talked to John Kaminsky, who we'll also talk about because he had quite an impressive workout himself, uh, and he asked him during the Senior Bowl who were some of the toughest offensive linemen he went against, and Caleb McGarry came up as his answer. He's not a guy that really we've talked about a lot not a person i don't i don't think has been widely discussed but he came in attested very well when you add that into how opponents view him he's not someone who's going to go in the first round so if you have that a caliber type of player who might be available later in the draft uh, that's something to look out for yeah and i think that is where the Giants might have to look for their offensive line depth. Yeah, maybe a guy it caught my eye just before the draft was uh, Wake Forest guard Phil Haynes, six foot three and a half inches, but three hundred twenty-two pounds. Good athlete for his size. Came out with a one hundred nine point five spark, seventy-first uh, percentile. Good arm length. Powerful dude, though. Just complete people mover. And, you know, he isn't getting a whole lot of talk, so he might be somebody they could find on with one of those fourth-round picks. And say they do roll with Jamon Brown, but he doesn't improve in his second year. Maybe you could have that guy there who come in and either push him or just replace him straight out. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible, and it's probably going to be where the Giants are looking. And again, it's kind of depending on free agency, but I'm not sure they're going to go offensive lineman in the first. Not even sure if they're going to go in the second. I guess if they have to, they will. But I think maybe you're trying to hit some of these developmental guys in the fourth and later, and that is going to be a tough thing. But if you're going to do that, you want to try to bet on athleticism a little bit. So that's where these guys are going to come in. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, so uh, why don't we go to some guys who, I don't know, maybe weren't on our radar at all, really, but damn well should be now. You know, you mentioned John Kaminsky. He was one of the first defensive linemen who really raised eyebrows on Sunday. He measured in at 6'5", 286, but then he went and ran 
a 4.69.40 with a 1.61.10 yard split. So just to put that in perspective, Aaron Donald at 280 pounds, six foot one, but 280 pounds, had a 4.68 second 40 with about, I believe it was a 1.63 10 yard split. So that is from somebody most people, at least the people who don't listen to Big Blue View Radio, had probably never even heard of. That is just an incredible workout. And they just got better from there. Yeah, he's someone who's workout and someone, again, from a small school, we played D2. So he's someone who is now just getting into the spotlight more. And it's very clear that he's someone who should be paid attention to a little more as we go forward. And I think uh, one guy uh, for me, someone who I came into late, I don't think we've discussed him on this podcast at all. But again, when I was putting together my pre-combine top fives per position, uh, as I was previewing each group, this is a guy who jumped into the top five for me at cornerback. And that's Jamel Dean of Auburn. Uh, He's someone who was able to excel in man and zone at Auburn. He came in at 6'1", 206, 77-inch wingspan. So tall, long arms. And then he came in and ran a 4-3. And then had some excellent jumps. We don't have spark numbers for corners right now, but I am expecting that to come out real well. So someone who is tall, is very fast, has the long arms you want on the outside, excels in both zone and man. He's someone who is now uh, jumping up on my radar more than he was uh, before the combine. The issue with him is he's had a pretty extensive injury history in his knees, but I think he had a, a 41-inch vertical. He ran a 4-3, so I think at the moment, <laughs> that knee does not look like a concern. Obviously, team doctors are, are going to be deep in his medicals to see if there are long-term concerns, but it doesn't seem to be affecting him right now. So he's someone I think could maybe be there in round two, and if that's where the Giants want to go, again, remember they used a third round on Sam Beal. And going back and previewing the cornerbacks for the combine, I went back and looked at the numbers that Sam Beal put up in his pro day. And of course, pro day, not the same controlled environment as the combine. But I think we kind of forget Sam Beal was super athletic. He had one run that was tested at 4-4, which is uh, incredible. He had long arms. He's over six foot. So it's Sam Beal has that athleticism that you would want in a corner. So I think we have brought Sam Beal up a bunch on this podcast, but we haven't actually talked about how athletic he was. So that's something that's going to be brought. And again, if the Giants do need to work on the secondary, they're not afraid to double up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a cornerback in the second, be it maybe Jamel Dean, or if Rocky Sin is still there, I think he tested very well. So we could see that happen. And that might be the sweet spot for one of those positions. I think that could also be where they look for a free safety. I doubt your guy, John C. Gardner-Johnson is going to be there in the second because he had himself a pretty darn good day. In fact, I think I'll get into this when we get to the players who kind of disappointed us over the weekend, but I thought the, for the most part, the safeties well outperformed the cornerbacks. Uh, At one point I tweeted, did these safeties know they're supposed to be slower than the corners? 
because for the most part they were faster and a lot of them had just really good workouts but there were some some of those small school corners who I think raised their profile profiles nicely had Isaiah Johnson out of Houston he ran I believe it was a 4-4 he's had some of the longest arms there I believe they men- measured 33 inches and like you said both James Betcher and Dave Gettleman like long arms in their corners so I think that will catch their eye and he's a former wide receiver so he's got some ball skills Another converted wideout, Justin Lane from Michigan State. He had pretty much everybody talking with his workout. You know, six foot two, but still moved really well. And then another small school guy, Jordan Brown of South Dakota State. I don't think I heard anybody mention him before the combine. He, he only had a four five one, which is not great, but you know, he had a thirty nine inch vertical almost 11 foot broad jump and I thought he looked good in the field drills and tracked the ball well on the drills that are supposed to uh, simulate an interception oh and one last one was uh, Sean Bunting from Central Michigan again another big long press man corner and yeah, that's kind of what James Betcher's defense is built on is having corners who can disrupt those quick passes and basically be on an island so he can dial up those blitzes and and send extra guys and really get pressure which were things he just was not able to do last year i mean he still blitzed but as we've gone over a couple times the secondary really let them down yeah so between the corner and safety there's going to be more than one defensive back drafted by the giants or at least there should be (laughs) Uh, there should, and I think as as we continue to see how these defensive players tested, if Dave Gettleman is very much the best player available type of drafter, and again, we've said he kind of is that even to a fault, it's possibly hard to see how many picks they're going to have where an offensive player is going to be the best available on their board, because um, there's a lot of good defensive talent here. They do need to fix the defensive talent. Obviously, not a great position when your biggest need on the team is quarterback, but I'm going to expect a whole lot of defensive picks in this draft. So while we talk about that, I think we've, we've gotten a decent amount of guys uh, who impressed us and we'll continue to talk about those guys. Well, let's jump to a couple guys who disappointed because that was that was hard to do. There was a lot of good testing. So if you did not test well, you really stood out. And I think the first guy we have to jump to here is Ja'Kai Polite, the edge rusher out of Florida. And this is even without getting into whatever went on with his interviews where he said most of the teams just kind of bashed him during the interviews and showed him bad plays of his. We'll even put that to the side right now, but Polite did not have a good on-field workout. He came in with just a 484 40 at 258 pounds. That's a speed score of 94. That's actually not terrible. It's definitely below average. It's not what you would like to see as someone who's supposed to have this great explosion. And then you put everything else together he did with Spark, and 
he came out in just the 14th percentile, 1-4. <laughs> that's that's obviously not what you want to see, especially for someone who was projected to maybe be early first round. I'm not sure if he goes in the first round at all or right now. Uh, he's someone you have to really have a strong conviction of his tape if you think he still deserves to be there. And then after that, just kind of going back to his like his production. I mean, 17 and a half tackles for loss, good. He had 16 and a half run stuffs, but only 15 quarterback hits. Uh, 38 pressures was you know decent, but I don't think that's crazy overall production. I mean, 38 pressures was only 19th in this edge class. So and that's not overwhelming production that makes you overlook what he didn't do at the combine. So well, he's someone I now have the major concerns with and probably well, not going to consider him in that you know top tier of edge rusher. No, I unless he really turns it around with just a dominant pro day, I'm not sure he might. And I had him as my number three rated edge just based off his tape because on his tape, he looked like a stick of dynamite. He was, probably had the best first step in the class and you know, his ability to just fire off the line beat tackles to the landmarks and then flatten and bend around the edge were maybe a maybe the best in the class on tape and then he added weight for the combine because i know there were there were concerns about his size but it looked like it was just not good weight he looked a lot softer than i was expecting and you know he had a one high one seven ten yard split i think it was a one seven seven and i just did not see that from him on tape i thought it was going to be about a one five maybe a one five five on tape so he said afterwards that yeah after he shut his workout down he said he had a hamstring injury there were and i think just overall this was one of the disappointing things there were quite a few of those guys who claimed at least to have nagging injuries after they shut their uh, workouts down. And I don't know, there was just such a discrepancy for me between his tape and his workout that unless he really shows, or unless he really has a strong pro day, he could drop like a rock. I mean, maybe even down to that third tier of pass rushers because pass rusher is a position where you just have to have athletes and there's just no other way around it you know unathletic pass rushers do not win in the nfl no when we talked before the combine we said how important it was for edge rushers and maybe the combine is the most important for edge rushers just because that athleticism is needed and and so for him to not have a good workout does start to raise some red flags then you go back and look at some of the production that wasn't there or at least doesn't rival the other better players in this draft class so that kind of just starts to make you wonder so uh, let's move on uh who were some other players that you might have been disappointed by in their workouts you know i've got two that are about tied in disappointment. Well, no, I'd say probably the bigger one was uh, Greedy Williams, the cornerback out of LSU. I was expecting him to come in and just dominate because even though he had some inconsistencies on his in his tape, you could tell he's a just ridiculous athlete. And he started out 
he started out with a really good run. I think he had a four three seven on the forty, but it just went downhill from there. On the field, it didn't look like he had had any idea what he was doing. He was just out of control. He was tight hipped. His feet were all over the place, and and then he was another one who shut it down early. This time he he said he was cramping up. Yeah, I was just very disappointed in him. I thought he could have worked himself into being a lock as a top 10 pick. And yeah, he threw the entire top of the cornerback depth chart into question with that workout. And then my other one was probably uh, Greg Little way back on the first day of the combine, the offensive tackle from Ole Miss. And, you know, he passed the eye test with flying colors. He looks like an NFL GM ordered him out of a catalog but then on the field, he was just kind of slow and sloppy and you know not great feet. And he was, again, just disappointing in the on-field drills. By contrast, Juwan Taylor was confirmed to be working through an injury, and he looked so much better. He had so much more in- effort and intensity. Uh, one of the highlights of the weekend for me was when Taylor drew Dalton Reisner in the mirror drill and Reisner basically tried to run him into the ground. He was sprinting back and forth full speed. And even though he was hurt, Taylor kept up and he looked good. You you almost wouldn't have known that he was working through an injury. So to me, that made Little's performance just, even more disappointing. Yeah, Little was someone who came in and tested in the 30th percentile in Sparks. That's obviously not great. You would like to see a little better there. He's probably the best one. I think throw Jonah Williams in there too. I'm not quite as concerned with him, but 17th percentile uh, in Spark is uh, a little alarming for Jonah Williams. I, I think his tape shows a little better than that you would think so i'm less concerned about williams than i would be about little but yeah overall just for two of the top potential offensive tackles not a great workout the greedy williams thing is interesting because you know just came out ran that 437 i think if you look at his film one of the things that isn't quite as good is he he can allow some of those really you know, quick open throws to get to him sometimes the, the slants and and some more throws when he's playing off he'll allow some throws in front of him and he'll make the tackle usually but that's kind of where you can work him early in the snap uh and then some of those other drills kind of showed why that's the case again then he came out and and didn't participate in a bunch of them but i mean he he came in as my number three corner i think i'd probably still have him there uh but i do like deandre baker and byron murphy just a little more but williams is the taller and in pretty long arms so he'll have a preference in some draft rooms because of that and I think a lot of teams will still look at that 437 and think about what that means uh, and still have him pretty high on board and that's kind of what you can do you you let this combine you let all these workouts be a piece in in the shape of your evaluation I'm going to wait these workouts a lot more for some players in some positions than others and that's what a lot of teams are going to figure out again we still have 
two months before the draft. Pro days are going to be coming up, so we'll see some new numbers, see how some of these guys did work from the combine, see if they improved or if they didn't. So that'll be something to watch. So we have a lot to look forward to. We got also the free agencies. There's a lot that's going to be going on. A lot of stuff coming straight at us right now. So we're going to end today's episode there. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review if you have not. That helps us greatly. Follow our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. You can follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.